It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is Nursing Uncensored. I'm your host, Adrienne Benning, and I invite you to listen in on conversations I've had with real nurses about the crazy and wonderful lives we lead. This podcast is meant to create laughter in addition to serious discussion, and nothing is off limits. We're always honest, but we're not always safe for work. Please listen responsibly. Welcome to Nursing Uncensored. Today, I'm happy to bring you Dr. Nina Ahuja, an ophthalmolic surgeon, author, and the founder of Docs in Leadership, an organization that delivers leadership education to health professionals. She's the author of the book, Stress in Medicine, Lessons Learned Through My Years as a Surgeon, From Med School to Residency and Beyond. In this book, she shines a spotlight on the culture of silence among physicians about the mental and physical and even emotional tolls that come with the responsibilities and stress of being in healthcare. I'm excited to discuss this and how it applies to nurses as well. So welcome. It's good to see you. Nice to meet you as well. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, this is great. So I'd love to hear a bit more about you and your work and your book. Sure. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about my uh, background first when in terms of medicine and my journey through it as an overview. I uh, went to medical school in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, so we're north of the border of you. <laughs> um, oh, studied there. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I graduated uh, from medical school in 1998. And then after that, went on to do my residency in ophthalmology at University of Ottawa. Ottawa is the capital of our, of our country, of mm-hmm. course. And so I uh, graduated from there in 2003. And I started practice in Hamilton uh, soon afterwards, and then eventually evolved into getting involved in academia. So we started a residency program in ophthalmology at McMaster University, which is in Hamilton. There I became very much involved in setting up the program and establishing the surgical portion of it for our residency training. And then from there went on to uh, progress through various roles in the residency program, including program director uh, and presently academic division head for the program, uh, for the department of ophthalmology rather at the university. And alongside that, I progressed through different leadership roles in the hospital as well. I've always had an interest in how systems work and um, the uh, workings of of a hospital and organizational um, entity that it is. And so through that, went through various positions up to the Medical Staff Association where I was president and then was involved in various boards at the hospital as well. From there, through all of those experiences, I noticed that there was a lot of uh, variance and capabilities and leadership skills amongst healthcare providers, particularly physicians, since, as you know, we don't get formal leadership education in our medical education. Mm-hmm. So that became a passion of mine uh, where I established Docs and Leadership, which is an organization that provides and promotes leadership education and, and wellness for physicians and, and health, all healthcare professionals, really. Uh, through that, 
you know, my roles when COVID happened, um, I was involved in various roles uh, in the academic side of things where I was really exposed to the stresses that were being faced by our residents and medical students um, and other, other students. And so with that, bringing me back to my own experiences and recollections of what it was like to go through that journey, I wrote uh, a book called Stress and Medicine, as you introduced at the beginning, which basically shares a lot of my own experiences over the years in terms of the different challenges and struggles that I faced along with the framework that I created to summarize strategies that have helped me manage stress through the years. And you mentioned, that's great. You mentioned in one interview that I watched that it's like part memoir, part self-help, which I think is so important because, you know, as a general rule, we trust uh, advice from people who have lived experience, right? Like we want to know that the thing you're teaching me how to do is something that you've done yourself, right? That's a lot of um, how we grow as professionals. And really one of the foundations of this show entirely is that we grow through learning from each other and um, kind of the opposite of uh the the silence, you know, uh, we need to share these experiences to um you know, across uh, disciplines. So like nurses, physicians, nursing assistants, we have these different experiences. And you also said in the book um, that, uh, uh, where was it? I took, I took some notes. Um, you talked about how we have uh, the, the, like the first chapter of your book is called uh, a unique journey. Becoming physicians is a unique journey that cannot be understood unless you've been through it. I feel that way about nursing. Like people don't know what nursing school is like, the challenges, the demands, even though they're very different than that of physicians. Um, But yeah, it's like this survived shared trauma. And so the fact that you've gone through all this and you've shared your experience is profound. Um, So how did it feel sharing? I mean, at one point you talked about a story, um, just you briefly mentioned in the introduction that you had an experience where you were removing glass from the eye of a child. And people just don't realize that like, the stuff that we do as healthcare providers is beyond the imagination and scope of reality for a lot of people that aren't in healthcare. So will you talk a little bit about how this kind of idea of like this bonding through going through these experiences together, how this does apply to other disciplines? Like how does this book help my listeners who Mm -hmm. are predominantly nurses, nursing students, um, people interested in becoming nurses? Mm -hmm. Um, How does this, how does this cross reference for us? I think the biggest thing that we have to realize is that we're all a team and we all work together and we can't do the jobs we do especially in hospital settings and organizations without each other. And that's, that's, that's a plain fact of the matter mm-hmm. with that. I think it's so important to be able to talk about our experiences amongst physicians, but also, you know, between ourselves as fellow health professionals, I've got many friends of mine who are some of my closest friends who are nurses actually. And so we can share the experiences and while they're different, as you, as you've said, they are different in some aspects The the idea that we're trying to care for people and that we're dealing with them in their most vulnerable state and that we're trying to apply our compassion and skills and knowledge to help people. All of those are similarities that we, we are, are very real mm-hmm. with that commonality. 
I, I believe that these sorts of discussions really do bridge all of us together. And we have to be consciously aware, cognizant and respectful of that. That's where I see the tie-ins. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, you're right. We're all working together. The physicians that I work with, I work the night shift. And so night shift becomes very tight knit very quickly. And I know that I become really grateful of providers that listen to me. And, you know, uh, it's really nice and gratifying when I can have conversations that are not medically related, that are just me you know, kind of like conversing casually with with people in other disciplines, you know, respiratory therapists, physicians. It's nice to remind ourselves that even though we have these very different jobs to do, we have these hierarchies, we have these protocols and algorithms that really when it comes down to it, we are all still inhabiting the same space and having these like really wild experiences. So how do we how do we recognize when the experiences that we're having become too much for us. Like when those stressors require that we take greater action than just like going about our day to day, like how do we, how do we identify these, you know, I guess there's no other way to say it. How do we identify these stressors when they become too much? That's a great question. And and part of the reason it's uh, so great (laughs) is that when you're in a certain environment, you become acclimatized to that environment. And so you don't often realize how deeply something is striking you because it just becomes the day-to-day norm. And that adds to that challenge. Part of that is is what allows us to cope with what we see. It allows us to cope with what we do every day. At some level though, when that volume and experience and burden, if you even want to call it, when that gets to a certain point, it will impact us whether we realize it or not. I think that, you know, one of the questions that I ask in the book is how do you deal with stress? What's your perception and what do others perceive in those moments when, you know, you're feeling wound up or people are feeling that that energy about you is wound up, whether you realize it or not. Identifying those signs are really important internally for yourself, but also from the people around you. That's where that dialogue, again, becomes really important. I think that, you know, we talk about manifestations of stress, and I, and I talk about that in the book as well, where there are a few different categories. So there's the emotional response where you can be irritable and irritated and just sad or heightened or whatever that, that looks like for you. There's the physical response where you can be fatigued all the time or, um, you know, you get more muscle and joint pains or loss of libido, loss of appetite. Uh, issues like that. Um, Cognitively, you can be very concerned about, um, you know, not remembering things and feeling disorganized all the time, not being able to make a decision. Uh, There are those elements. And then um, there's also the behavioral side of things where you may find that you're overeating or you're overworking or you're just keeping yourself so busy that you don't have time to deal with the issues that are at hand. So a large part of it is recognizing what your norm is, what is triggering you to um, or what is being exhibited, which seems to be outside of your norm. And is it something that you're identifying or is it someone that someone who is close to you is able to identify for you so that the combination of your own awareness and turning to people who you trust and giving them permission to you know, tap you on the shoulder and say, look, I think you're you're under a lot of pressure right now. You need to stop. Having those systems around you are re- is really, really important because we won't always be able to identify it, like I said, because 
you know, it becomes part of our norm. Mm-hmm. I think that I have experienced that many times where a coworker of mine will come up to me and say, I'm going to cover your patients. Mm-hmm. It's obvious, you know, don't be offended. Looks like you need 10 minutes go take it. And I think that that becomes really important because we, like you said, we keep our, that's me to a T. We keep ourselves so busy that we're not paying attention necessarily to what we're really experiencing and really feeling. I, part of what I do is palliative care, which, Mm -hmm. you know, while it does cover a range of uh, people at at all different points of the lifespan, but a lot of our patients are end of life. And so I had a shift the other night where like four patients on our unit died. And in some ways, you know, I'm, I'm very respectful. I take pause with every patient that passes away under my watch, but also there does become this like mechanized, you know, this is your job. You've got to hurry up and get through this because we're in a pandemic. We need the vet, you know, there's like all of this systemic rush. And so I think it is important that we listen to those around us that are like, yo, I know you're, you're doing a great job right now. But have you eaten? You look yes. exhausted. You look dehydrated. That's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's important that we not only listen to those voices, but that we try to be those voices for other people, right? You know, yeah, absolutely. Be that person that says, "Let me go hang that medication for you." Yes. <laughs> and you go get a cup of coffee, take a walk, whatever. So I really, I, I feel that I hear that so much. Um, I feel that that is also something we need to teach our new grads Mm -hmm. of all disciplines Mm -hmm. Um, because new grads, first of all, we get, you know, I don't know. I imagine the same is true for physicians. You've got all of these patients to see all of these things to do. And you're supposed to be looking at this bigger picture so that you're not just going through the steps, but that you're actually like considering the actions you're taking. But at the same time, um, having, having people around us to kind of, tell us when we're new that you don't like, if you're late with something, sometimes it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to put this pressure on yourself to be perfect and hit every mark, you know, get every call that you make, you know, never make a mistake. I think that that tremendous pressure on us exists when we're brand new. Mm -hmm. And then as we get, you know, more into the flow of our jobs, perhaps we can do things with more casual, um, uh, you know, attention than when we were new, when we had to like hyper focus on all of the things we were doing. But even if you're past that point of being hyper focused, I think it's still important that you that you develop um, what your book describes as like a framework, uh, a thing that you do or a process that you follow from the beginning of your career on through that helps you identify. Like you said, you have to identify it. You either have to figure it out yourself or you have to look to other people. So can you talk a bit more? Like, I don't want to give away the entire process. I want people to get your book and read it because um, I think that it, there's valuable information here. But will you talk a little bit about the framework? Um, the acronym is ADMIT. Is that correct? This is kind of like the, the process that came to you. And also, um, in this other interview that I listened to, you talked about how this kind of was born out of the the social distancing of the pandemic, like you had all these ideas that came to you. Uh, I'd love to hear about that. And then the the framework that that came from that thought. Absolutely. When I initially, um, when the when the pandemic happened, initially, as I mentioned, I was involved with, you know, 
looking at curriculum and, and residency um, admissions interviews and exams and all of those things because everything was impacted by social distancing. And as I mentioned before, it brought me back to you know, realizing how much stress they were under and, and how much stress I was under at that time. And here you've got these unprecedented stresses as well. And then with that, it was kind of like, it was this snowball that used to happen to me every day when my, we'd go for walks. My husband and I used to go for walks every day. And uh, I would go uh, in the morning as well, sometimes on my own. And during one of these walks, I was thinking, you know, these issues that I'm hearing and that I'm reading about in blog posts, because I started reading blog posts as well about the experiences that the students were going through. I came to the realization that a lot of the themes are similar to what I experienced about 25 years ago. And so I can't believe I just said 25 years ago. No, I'm at, I'm at that point too, where I'm like, can I say I did anything I know. five years ago? Yeah, I'm there with you. Yeah. So when I realized that, I thought, this is an ongoing issue. I really want to do something about this. When I was reflecting then on different experiences that I had and different challenges that I went through in my lowest points, which my lowest points were in medical school for the most part, that's when I started thinking about, you know, how can I organize this in a way that people can relate to it so that they can then connect their own experiences to it. As I was thinking through my own challenges, I realized that they all fell into one of five different phases of experience, which is how I coined the term admit. It, uh, the, the term or the, the acronym came to me as we were going for a walk one day. And I, I thought, you know, like there's that whole thing of adapting to things. And then there's like doing the work. And then, you know, like you have to write exams. And so you're measuring stuff. And like, how can I come up with an, an acronym that ties it all together. And then admit came to mind. And I thought that works really well because we admit patients <laughs> and yeah. it's all about, right. We admit patients and it's all about admitting those um, experiences that we're facing with that. The uh, acronym was born. And when I was looking through um, different material where I with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I thought, you know, what do I want to include? What concepts do I want to include? What examples do I want to include in the book? I basically pulled examples out that then fit into those five phases of experience. The first one, uh, A stands for adapting to new ways. D is for doing the work. M is for measuring success, which lends to a lot of what you're talking about. I've always feeling like we have to hit the mark. Um, I is for introspection and T is for transformation. So the idea of the framework is to give you five phases that you can link your challenge to in your own experience. And then within each of those phases, it talks about different motivators or different theories, whether it be based in, uh, you know, developmental psychology or, you know, positive psychology, various theories that are out there on behavior. It looks at some of those principles so that you can then reflect yourself and say, okay, what is the barrier here? So for example, adapting to new ways, you know, what is your source of motivation is one of the concepts that I've looked at. Um, you know, is it, are you motivated by external things? Are you motivated by internal things? What are those triggers that allow you to be 
open to accept a new idea. By having a framework and by being able to link your experience to any one of those phases, what I feel it does is it allows you a structured way to unjumble the jumble of emotions that we face when we're feeling stressed and confused with the quantity of work to be done or the overwhelming feelings that we're experiencing. The challenges aren't always mutually exclusive to one of those phases. However, if you can identify one and then a couple, you know, whatever number of phases really, mm -hmm. the, the book allows you to work through each of those to then be able to come to something that allows you to settle with that challenge and then move forward with some growth and change to your thought process, hopefully that allows you to deal with it more easily the next time because you've already worked through that process. That's where the book is. It's a memoir to a part memoir to offer those experiences that are very, um, were very impactful to me in various stages. And then offering this framework from the self-improvement aspect, which basically makes this book either a companion to make you feel better that you're not alone because you're not, or to give you a, a workbook in essence, so that you can actually work through it for your own self-development, personal, professionally. Personally. Yeah. And, you know, I love those kind of self-guided, um, you know, I've always, even as a kid, I love journals, prompted journals, you know, that asked you to really think about the things that you were going through, what you value. Um, I think this sounds like the grown up version of that, you know, the um, the way that we kind of, you know, we all know what we want in general, but how often do we really sit down and think about what our goals are? What's meaningful to us? Um, you know, what things do we take for granted? I think this is a good uh, thing to do, you know, periodically check in with yourself, um, especially when you're dealing with things that are this incredibly difficult. Um, mm -hmm. You talk about um, mindfulness and reflection and the role that they play. And, um, you know, I just I was hoping maybe you talk a little bit more about how you as someone who has been in medicine for quite some time, how that's kind of translated for you from, you know, because you have these thoughts and these stressors as a brand new physician. And it's true, like we even though our patients change, the diagnoses and situations change, but a lot of the challenges are very similar in a lot of ways. So how has this kind of way of coping, you know, how do you think it grows with us? Like, how has it grown with you over the course of your career? For me, it's a matter of the depth of understanding over time. Earlier on in my career, it's, uh, it was very much about, here's the situation in front of me, I need to be able to recall that factual information, so that I can pull it all together and make a decision that's going to work. Then let it, you know, let it play out, see these patients and follow up and see if that should work, but did it really work? And it did work. So I can feel okay about it. So a lot of it is in early phases, it's about gaining that confidence where, you know, you need to actually implement the decisions that you're making and see the positive outcomes so that you can feel relaxed about the next time if I, I can have that confidence that it's going to work. And if you if you juxtapose that to the admit, admit framework, which is more of a psychological process that we go through as we evolve through our careers, it's a similar thing where initially you're just trying to get through it and you're trying to cope with that emotion. You may not completely understand how exactly you're coping with it, but once you've gotten through that experience, so for example, the first time you deal with death, 
you go through that, you feel the emotions, you don't really understand how what that impact may be, and the depth of it personally. Uh, but you kind of move through it because you're caught in the volumes and you need to get to the next patient and your supervisor wants that report and everything else. As those things become more normal, it allows you that time and freedom to then go deeper and get into those areas and um, phases of introspection and transformation. Because the reality is in order to be able to do that, you need to have the mental space and mental time to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. In our medical education right now, and I'm sure it's the same, it's it's in physician life. I'm quite certain it's in nursing life and every other health professional, especially when you're on the front line. Your time is so occupied by, you know, everything, all of the doing aspects of it, not just at work, but also at home, trying to balance a personal life with a professional life that we're not taught to really take the space and time within our uh, teachings so that we are able to then process what we're going through and allow that depth to come through even earlier on into our career, in our careers. I actually feel that not having been taught that early on is a cause for burnout later because you don't know and haven't learned how to process it early on from your career so that you can carry it forward. That's why I would love to see this book as mandatory reading uh, for anybody in nursing, physician, like any any health professional program. I I personally feel not biased, obviously. <laughs> But I that's, I, that's okay. That's allowed. <laughs> I really feel that if I would have had a, a book like this early on in my career, it would have made a very big difference in how I how I received experiences, um, such that they would have been more positive and growth oriented, as opposed to breaking my confidence and shaking me down to a point where I needed to really build myself up again. It's very painful. <laughs> it is. And I've yeah. talked about that before as an experience that nurses face where you can have a 12 hour shift that is wonderful. You do great things for your patients. You catch some, something bad from happening right before it happens. You have these victories. And then at the end of the day, things kind of fall apart because they sometimes do. You have that code or you have that situation where maybe you got yelled at by a patient for something you did or did not do. And then that one negative event at the end of your shift or your call or whatever makes you feel like you had a terrible day. Well, it's like, no, you had 11 hours of awesome <laughs> before that. And as new grads, I think, or, you know, not, I shouldn't even say new grads because our confidence wavers at all points in our career. Because, mm -hmm. you know, as we level up, we get um, more uncomfortable and more nervous in our new role. You know, with nurses, we go from being RNs to potentially nurse practitioners. And even people that have all this nursing education and experience say that, man, when I, when I started my first day as a nurse practitioner, I felt like a new grad all over again, yeah. even though I have all this experience behind me. And that's good. It shows growth. But I think we need to consciously confidence build so that we don't have those experiences like I described, where like you have a great day and then the one bad thing that happens at the end of the day makes you feel like, oh, should I even be doing this? Am I even good? Mm -hmm. at well, yes, you are. <laughs> and we're human. We need to allow ourselves that space to kind of reflect and say, these are the 11 hours that I need to store in my memory because it shows all of the correct assessing and decision making that I did as a professional. So I think that's really important in our home lives as well, like you said, um, because the pandemic brings a whole different set of stressors 
Mm-hmm. And this is the point where I personally am starting to feel that my coping mechanisms are getting a little threadbare and are kind of, you know, pulling apart a little bit. So I need to find the new thing to get me through these next months. But in that, I feel like I haven't done that reflection and mindfulness of like, well, what's been going well? Because Mm -hmm. I'm caught in this cycle of like, you know, the same. I don't have the group of people around me to provide unless I'm at work, you know, the, the affirmations and the experience sharing. So it becomes really important, I think, to seek that out. Mm-hmm. I think that your book is something that um, people should definitely read just from the, the bits and pieces I've read. I'm already hooked on it. And I do want to read it both as a memoir and a self-help book, because I think both are really compelling, like I said at the top of the show. So what is the message that you want to send out to people that maybe you're thinking, hmm, should I get this book on my Kindle? Um, <laughs> how do you want, what's your vision for people to use this? You know, is this like a, a book that we read cover to cover to get the full experience? Can this become back to like a reference book? Like we've got different things in here that we can just like be refreshed on. What's your intention for the, the life of this book? in someone's life? I see this book um, as a multi-use, multi-purpose book uh, that can be approached in multiple ways. It is a flexible book. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And the reason I say that is it's a book that you can easily read in a couple of hours as a general read. If you're looking for some insight into what is the world of medicine all about? What are some of the experiences that people face? You can, it's, it's written in an accessible way that anyone can enjoy it. I've got my nephews reading it. Our girls are reading it. Yeah. So, and you know, they're 15, 16 and 19. So. That's great. Okay, yeah. good. So, good. So it's, it's accessible. And, uh, but the depth is there if you want to take it there as well. And if you're in a, in a space where you really are struggling and you need to um, have something that can guide you through your thought process to help you cope, it can be used as a workbook. So that you can, there are uh, reflection questions in there. There are takeaway points in there so that if you do take the time to work through them, the idea is that you have that uh, emotional mental processing so that it can actually help you grow and evolve and develop your coping mechanisms further. It's also, I love that. I, I just, I love a workbook. You can tell yeah. how much I love a book by how much I've scribbled all over it, how many pages I've dog-eared. Um, yeah. But yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. And then the, the third way, yeah. The third way is that it, it can certainly be used as a reference as well. And that was the reason why at the end of each chapter, I, I did put in those key, key takeaway points because there it, it's, a, it's a short book, but it's a content-rich book. By having the key takeaways, it gets right to the point of what that chapter went through. So it's a flag of like, okay, these were the concepts that, you know, were discussed. Mm -hmm. The reader can really take it at any level that they would like. If they're looking for, like I said, some general entertainment insight into medicine all the way through to making it a really uh, true workbook of self-development and self-improvement, you've got the whole spectrum. Depends on how you want to use it. I look forward to marking this book. (laughs) There's nothing like I do have my nice books that I don't write in and that are protected and special. (laughs) Um, Those are usually, you know, the the big fatty nursing books that have like hundreds and hundreds of pages. But I do have a lot of books that I love to just like 
go through and make notes. And then it's interesting. Sometimes I'll go back, um, you know, I'll put, a, I'll put the date next to notes I've written to circle back around and see how things compare over time. So mm-hmm. I love that kind of like live journal, live um, active processing um, that comes with books. So, um, and I love a book that I can knock out because I don't have time. Yeah, to no time. You know, <laughs> so I love when things are digestible actionable but also incredibly relatable because you're not just like you're actually giving like like you said depth life experience to this um so yeah where can people find you and find your book give us all the ways how do they (laughs) buy your book how do they find you are you on social media how do people get more information yes so the book is available on amazon so just go to Amazon.com or whatever country you're in. The Genius Link takes you to your site. <laughs> I'll link it below for United <laughs> States uh, listeners. Thanks. Um, and so, yes, uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, it's available on, by through Barnes & Noble as well, I believe, uh, as well as Indigo for Canadians. That's a, that's a big bookseller here. But Amazon everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, have a, I do have a website. It's www.docsinleadership.org. That talks about uh, some of the leadership curriculum and initiatives that uh, I've organized for health professionals. It's also got a blog that gives little excerpts of the book and commentary on articles, things like that. And on social media, uh, the handle is Docs Leadership, D-O-C-S-L-E-A-D-E-R. And I will put all of that in the show notes so that people can find you. I think it's really important that people have those direct people love to click, you know, yeah, we can all Google, but I'll just make it easy so everybody can go and find it. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience today? I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity. I, I, this has been such a uh, challenging year for everyone. COVID-19 is something like nothing else we've ever seen. I don't even have to say that. Everybody knows it. Uh, I would just like to say that I'm really grateful to be able to work with um, all of my colleagues, um, physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, anesthetists, and you know everything that we do is, is uh, such a team effort. So I, I think we just need to hang in there and support each other. Uh, and I hope this new year brings everyone uh, good health and COVID, you know, goes away. <laughs> yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love I'd love to see this in the rear view mirror. Yeah. May I ask, you can choose to answer or not. Will you be or have you received the COVID vaccine? Uh, I'm on the list to receive it. I, okay. am on, I haven't received it yet, but I am on the list. Excellent. I got my first dose. My second oh, dose okay. is in a couple weeks. So okay. um, yeah, I'm excited for the end of this too. So thank you so much for sharing everything um, <laughs> and being so such an open, willing guest. I am glad to talk to you. And if you ever want to come back to the show, I know our readers would love, or li- readers, listeners, your future <laughs> readers would love to hear more. So thank you very much. And um, even though you're coming from the medicine side of things, I'm still going to wish you happy nursing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I wish you happy nursing and happy medicine because we're together. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Team forever. Excellent. Here at Nursing Uncensored, we may be, well, uncensored, but we're not unfiltered. Protected health information has been changed and concealed to comply with HIPAA. The things we talk about are from years of experience with thousands of patients, things we've read, stories we've heard. 
if you think we're talking about you, we're definitely not. Also, we're real nurses here to provide helpful and accurate information, but don't take anything we say as fact without doing your own research. Refer to your state's Board of Nursing, Practice Acts, and your institution's policies and procedures if you have questions about your practice. Lastly, our very strong opinions are ours alone and do not reflect those of our employers, educational, or professional institutions. Thanks for listening, and happy nursing, folks. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.